We are learning Daf Samach Dalid. We're starting in the very bottom of Samach Gimel, Ahmed Beis. And uh, the Mishnah I spoke about yesterday, a very interesting topic, a new concept for us in Tumah called Tumas Atahom. So Tumas Atahom is that there's a type of Tumah that came from a corpse, we're talking unique to Tumas Mace, where the Tumah was in a location, in a place, was located that is unlikely to ever be discovered by somebody. It's not like a known Tumah that you can find easily. It's something that's buried deep under something, hard to find, hard to locate. So the halacha is, it's not like, it's not a tumma. It's not Of course it's a tumma, but it's a specific type of a tumma. It's a tumma satom. So we have a halacha moshmizinai, that if a nazir already performed his concluding ritual, and he's finished, and he's shaved, and he's brought his kabbanos and everything, and then he becomes aware that during uh, the time he had a tumma satom that was encountered, so then that doesn't mess up what he's already done. The same halacha is true for a carbon pasach. If a person finds out after he already brought the carbon about some tumma satom which he encountered, so then, then he's still okay. It hasn't messed up um, what he has done. However, for Truma, it does mess up. That was one concept which we learned very strongly um, in regard to Tumas Atahom. All right, now we're going to go back to the Mishnah a little bit and, 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 and we're, going, we're going to learn about Tumat Tzafa. So Tumat Tzafa means, Allah is when a Tuma floats. So we're going to try to understand this a little bit better. Again, some new concepts in Tuma today. And then we'll get back to Tumas Atahom. So the, and the reason we're getting to this is because when the, the missioner was giving us examples, it always spoke about a, a, a corpse that was floating. That was all part of it. Like it was floating, he went, to the, he went into a pool and it was by the mouth of a cave. He wasn't sure if he was under the roof of the cave uh, with, together with the corpse at the same time. But I'll call upon him, the corpse was floating. So the Gemara says, The Gemara throws out a theory that a tumma which floats does not mitame sherets. The tumma of sherets, which is dead carcasses of the eight shrots in the Torah says there are certain types of rodents that when they die, give off tumah. Not all types of rodents, but eight specific ones. Eight shrots and give off tumah. But that tumah of sharet is not in a scenario where it floats. It's only when it's placed like in a stationary way on something or on the ground like that. But when the tumah is floating, if I have the dead carcass of one of these eight shrots floating around, it does not convey the tumah. And we're going to see in a second that that's going to broaden out not just the tumah sharets, but any tumah that doesn't come through ohel, meaning in a body, a body when it conveys tumah through ohel, a dead, like a corpse, that's going to convey even if it's safa. But any lower degree of tumah, which is coming through contact, like sharetz, is subject to a very big leniency, that when it is safa, when it is floating, then it's not matami. Titania, where do we get all these concepts from? So we see here, this is all coming from Taharas. Safik tumat safa. If I have a safik, I have a doubt about tumah which is floating on water, whether the tumah is in a kli, it's floating in a kli, or it's floating in the ground, like in a pool, tahora is ruled to be tar. So the chiddush is, even though we normally say, that's normally the halacha. So if I have a doubtful tumah, and it's in a private location, so ordinarily we say that the suffix is treated l'chumrah. Here we're saying that if I have the suffix tumah, but it's safa, it's a tumah of sharet, and it's safa, it's floating around, so then the halacha is, that it's ruled to be tar. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says it depends. If the water was in a kli, in other words, like uh, some sort of container and it's suffa in there, so then, then, then if it's a suffix, it's ruled tamik. The karaka, it's only if it's in the ground, tahora, that it is ruled to be tahora. So now the Gemara explains what this comes from. My time in the Tanakama, what is the reason for the Tanakama? Tanakama was saying that tumat safa, tapa samachtalad here, tumat safa. Uh, whether the water is in container on the ground, if it's a suffix, then it's always tar. We go against the usual rule of suffix. Where do we get this from? When it speaks about the tumah, it says any swarming type of thing which swarms 
So it's mashma in this pasuk, no matter where it is. It's swarming even if it's floating on water. So it's mashma over here that the tumma can be given off. Wherever it could be swarming. The problem is that we have another pasuk that says when it's when it's when it's crawling on the ground, right? It's something which is on the ground. So how do I reconcile? One pasuk is mashma; it could be anywhere, and it gives off the tumma. Another pasuk is mashma only on the ground when it's stationary; it gives off the tumma. Must be the answer is vaday mago tame suffik mago tahar. If you certainly have contact with it, then even then even if it's floating, it gives off the tumma. But if it's question if it's a suffix contact, then use tahar in any any scenario. So basically, that's the point that, that uh, if it's a suffix, if it's a suffix maga, it will be tahar in any case where it's safa. So basically, the idea is that when it's al haaretz, there even the suffix is matama. But when it's when it's safa, so then any scenario when it's safa, only the vadais maga is matami, but suffix maga is tahar. That's the Tanakhama's view. Reb Shimon, my time. What was Reb Shimon's reason? Reb Shimon has an idea that there's a, we distinguish between the suffix when the water is in a container, when the ground, in the, or when the water is in the ground. So where does he get that from? He looks at the beginning of the pasuk. It says anything. The spring could be tahar. adar. But then it says it could become tame. Um, that there could be there, there could be a tumma. So okay, it said, how can we reconcile this idea of of having like a water or a spring that sometimes there's something in it that's tumma or not? So we explain as follows: It's referring to this case of tumma tzafa tzafa v'kelim tumma. If it's floating in a container, it's tumma. If a car is floating on the water, tar, then it is tar. So basically, what we're saying is that. Uh, Achmain the Yatar is coming to say that dead trots are floating in like a spring or a pit or like a pool or something like that. So then it's it's, it's floating on, the, on 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 water that's on the ground. So then we'll, we'll be suffocated. We'll give off. We'll give. We'll be tar. But other scenarios where it's not Achumai and it's not something like a spring. It's just like I don't know, like a fishbowl or something like that. And you have a suffix, um If there was maga and 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 the dead the dead chariots in the on the water in the fishbowl. So then in fact you would be tummy. Okay. So so far all we've learned about this concept is that usually sharis gives off to. Usually the halacha is suffik However, we're learning a new that tama, which is safa, which means that it's floating, it's not stationary. Then when I get a suffik, it is tahar. However, there's a machlokas tanakama to Reb Shimon about the scope of this hetar. Tanakama applies the hetar broadly whether the water is in a pool on the ground or whether the water is in a uh, in a kli in a container. As Reb Shimon says that the unique halacha of tumat safa. That, that when there's a suffix, it doesn't give off tumah, that's only when the water is on the ground. Now we elaborate more upon the halach of tumah tzafa. Any source of tumah that can be carried, can be dragged. So you can have any scenario where a person is say, carrying or dragging here some sort of sharetz. Generally, what's the halacha? When you're carrying a dragon song and a suffix comes about, comes about whether or not the tumah was, was, was touching something, let's say it's a suffix, you know, whether it, it, it rubbed against a loaf of bread or something like that as it was being dragged. So it's tame, you rule that it's tameh. Because something which is being dragged is viewed that like it's at rest. In other words, if a person is holding it, and even if it's being carried, that's not suffa. Safa, when we say floating, the point isn't that it's, you know, touching soil of the ground. Safa means that it's, it's being held. It, Safa means that it's floating as opposed to being held. And, it, and even if it's being held in the grasp of a person, then it's not considered a floating tumma. And if any Safa comes about, Safa Tumma will say, we're going to be machmer. Shaking However, in Israqin, if it's being thrown in the air, so then 
Some suffix comes up while it's being thrown, didn't make contact with something. So that's a tumat safa. So then we say, fake on tar. If the question comes up, then the thing is tar. Chutz, what's the exceptions? Kezai zames, if I have an olive's amount of a corpse of a human being, or something that's going over a source of tumat, meaning it's a suffix if someone would say was ma'ahil, someone was directly over the corpse. Anything that contaminates from above and from below. So what are examples of that? Zav and Zava have you tumma in very unique ways besides just direct contact and caring. One of the halachas, you know, we're familiar with is that uh, something, anything that rests upon the Zav, so let's say Zav, then there's a cushions and then a bunch of things going up. So all the things on top of Tama and then the opposite as well. Let's say he's sitting on something on top. There's a bunch of things under him. Everything under him is Tama as well. So in those scenarios, so that's Tama, that's Tama through greater capacity than just Mago Masa. So all those Shilas of Tama that come up, then we do not say Tuma Tzafa makes an, makes an exception. So let's just understand. Let's process what we just learned. Where is the halacha that by Tuma Tzafa, we say Sveiko Tahar only by weak forms of Tuma. Tuma that's come, a Tzafa, if it came about through Maga Umasa. But a Tuma that's coming about through a greater capacity of Tuma, either Ohel or these unique forms, the way Zav and Zava give off Tumah through going way up and way down. There, if a Suffolk arises, even if the Tumah is Safa, we do not say the unique, um, the unique Halacha, and we say that even if it's Safa, it is still Tameh when a Suffolk comes out. So basically, it has to be limited to Shailos and Tumah that come up through basic contact. That's the point. So it could come out, let me just clarify one point before we go back here, it could come up with a corpse, just not when it's a Shailah about Ohel. When it's a shail of the corpse, let's say, touch something, not a shail of all, then you could have the halach of tumatzafa. It's not only by sheretz, it could also come up by mace, but only when the, sh- the shail about the mace is what's mitama b'mago maso. When it's a shail of the, if the, um, if the mace was metame through something else besides Mago Maso, like by OL, then it would not apply. So the Gemara, now they're going to have a bunch of shilas. What defines floating here? Very, very sharp questions. By let's say a course is in a container. The container is floating on the surface of the water. What's the halacha? And so if there's a suffix, if somebody touched a corpse or if the corpse touched a loaf of bread, do I say that the corpse is floating or not? The corpse is on a container. The container is floating in the water. So basar kli aslina, do I go after the container? Since the container is floating, we rule the person tahar. Oh, basar misa aslina, maybe go after the corpse. The corpse is resting on the floor of the container. So the, 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 the corpse is not, is, not, is not floating. And therefore, it's a suffix would come up, it would rule tame. Says the Gemara further, if you're going to say that we do not go after the container, we're going to say that the corpse is treated like it's at rest because it's it's munach in the container. So what would the halacha be not on a kli? Imagine a case, there's a corpse on top of a dead sheritz and the sheritz is floating. So, so the question here is a little bit different because a kli, that's the whole point, is that when I'm telling you it's munach on a kli, it's munach, right? It's munach. It's, it's not going to be... It's not, it's not going to be, you're not going to consider the top thing floating. The clea is the thing that's floating, but the thing that's in the clea is stationary. But here there's no clea. You just have a dead body on top of a dead rodent. So the question basically is, should we view them as one big entity that is floating? Or should we say, no, the bottom sherets is floating and the corpse that's on the sherets is not floating. It's just where, it's just munach on the sherets. But the question is basically going to boil down to, here's where the lumpus hits. Do I consider the dead body and do I consider the corpse and the sherets as one unit? Are they going to connect? And if it's one unit, then they're both floating. Or are they going to be separate units? And therefore, the sherets is a floating thing and the corpse is not. So what does that boil down to? What's the shaila if they're connecting? They have different amounts of tumah. The sherets only gives off tumah for, for a day. The corpse gives off tumah for seven days. So therefore, they're separate. So it's as if the corpse is resting in a kli, meaning 
they're not going to connect as one unit because they're separate entities, separate types of Tumah. So therefore, it's going to be considered like the corpse is resting on the Sheretz and only the Sheretz is floating. It's just one thick Tumah, meaning it becomes one entity of Tumah. Despite the fact that they have different capacity, the similarities outweigh the differences. And in that regard, we'll say that it's just one big entity that is floating. If you're going to say that it's as if the Tumah is placed in a container, and therefore, so questions are going to be Tameh, since what we said before, if it's placed inside a floating container, it's not considered floating, they're going to be separate. What would be the Allah of Sheretz HaKab Nevelu Nevelu Tzafamau? What would be a dead Sheretz on top of Nevelu and the Nevelu is floating? So now we're going to say, or maybe even if a dead body and a sheretz don't become one, well, maybe a sheretz that's floating on top of a nevela could become one. Why? Because even Tremas Erevinu, and they have the same capacity of Toma, right? They both are Matame, both the sheretz and nevela give off Toma for a day. So there certainly we could say maybe Toma Semechtihi is one big mass of Toma, and therefore it's one big floating entity. Odilma, or maybe no, they're different because the size to give off the Toma is different. I eyes. A nevela, the dead carcass of an animal, that gives off Tumah Bechazayis. But the Sheretz gives off its Tumah Bechazayis. So since it gives off the size of a lentil, separate capacity of Tumah, even though the, the, the severity of the Tumah is the same, but the size to give off the Tumah is different, and therefore maybe it doesn't combine. Now we take another step. The Sheretz, like Sheretz, what is it? One Sheretz on top of the other, and the bottom was floating. So certainly here I would say, it's the same Sheer, same thing, would be one Tumah, and therefore it's both floating. They're separate things. So even if Ma'avli Gemara is entertaining a new, a new possibility, even if they're exactly the same thing, but they're separate entities. So if they're separate entities, then maybe only the bottom one is floating, the top one is not. Again, what's the Nafkimina on all this? If there's a suffix, if the top one touched something, do I apply the halacha of Tumat Safar or not? And if I'm going to say one shares on top of the other, they're separate from one another. So it's as if it's resting in a container and the top one is not Safa. Sheretz, I got an Avela, What about a Sheretz? On top of an Avela, which has been Nimucha. Nimucha means it like it's starting to decompose and becomes mushy. So the mushy part is floating on the water and the, the Sheretz is on top of it. At this point, it's just part of like the liquid, meaning to say, now a whole new angle on, on our Shilas. It's not Pshat. The Sheretz is Munach on the mush, and then the mush is the thing that's floating. The mush is really like a liquid. The mush is part of the water at this point. So it's just going to be considered like the Sheretz is floating on the water because the mush is just becoming liquefied. No, at the end of the day, it came from a food, right? It's an Avelashini Mocha. It may have disintegrates a little bit or whatever, decomposes and turning liquefied, but it comes from solid food, so it's treated like a solid, and therefore it separates between the Sheretz and the water. And we're not going to say that the Sheretz is floating, rather, we're going to say it's stationary on the mush. Now the Gemara gets a little bit sharper. If you're going to say it comes from a solid food, which is different from the water, so even when it liquefies, it's still separate. What about a sheretz that's on top of shechva If it's on top of semen that's floating on the water. Shechva is very, very different because this, it is a source of tumma, but it's separate between the sheretz and the water like a solid or is shechva treated like a liquid? So essentially the shail is just straight off. What is the identity of shechva Is it ke'ochla? And therefore, we're going to say that the top thing is stationary on the Sheikh Vazera, which is floating. And therefore, the top thing doesn't have the, the Kula of, of, of Tumat Safa. Or do I say, no, the Sheikh Vazera is like a liquid, it's part of the water. And I just say that the, the Sheretz is floating on top of it. Okay, now the Western Tips of Lummer, keeping the Mikar of Aluka Ochla. If you're going to say, since it comes out as treated like a solid food distinct from the water, meaning that basically the Gemara is saying the way that, 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 that the Zara works is as soon as it's produced, it comes out. So therefore, it could be considered like a, 
it's not like a water-like liquid. It's not like urine, which is like stored up and then expelled. It just comes right out. So maybe it's considered What if I had a pure type of water thing? I have mechatas. Mechatas is a source of tumma, right? So what happens if the sheriff is floating on the mechatas and then the mechatas is on the, is on the water? There, what would we say? There, at the end of the day, it seems... It seems like water. On the other hand, once it's mixed with the ashes, it gets a little bit of a different consistency than regular plain water. So maybe that is becoming part of the water, maybe it's not becoming the water. And again, the nafkamina is the thing that's on it. Is it considered to be tzafa or not? The Gemara says to all of this, we do not know the answers and all that is taken. So to summarize what we learned, there's a big concept, new idea in Tumah. A Tumah Tzafa. A Tumah Tzafa, as long as we're not talking about the severity of Tumah's OL or up and down of the Zav, there's a new concept that Tzafik of a Tumah Tzafa is ruled leniently. It's a machlokas if it's only water that's on the ground or even water that's in containers, but a new concept that we learn and then we have a lot, a lot of shilas about what exactly constitutes that something is floating, if something is placed on something else which is floating, how we look at that. Okay, now we're going to continue here with another dimension in Tumas Atahom. Until now, Tumas Atahom has all been that if a person, after the fact, they've already brought their compass up, they've already done the Nazir's ritual, then they find out that they encountered Tumah. But the Tumah that they encountered was a type of Tumah unlikely to anyone to ever know about. It was hidden in a way that no one was going to find. So there, this halacha does not disrupt what you have done. So Amr Rabbi Munah, Nazra was a Pesach, someone to Nazra, you're going to a Pesach, they walked over a Kevar at home on the seventh day of purification. So here we're talking about that they had to become purified. What is going on? You have a Nazir who certainly became tummy from the, from the dead. So it's Tomas Mace, and what's the halacha? He has to go through the purification of a Nazir Tame. So he's going through, he's going through the whole, the whole thing. He's got Azah on the third and seventh day. And he went ahead, he did the Naziris, he, there's the shaving, there's the Karbanos on the eighth. And then you go back to do your new term of Naziris. And at the end of that, you go ahead and you, you're going to shave again and bring the Karbanos of Tahara. And after all of this happened to him, Suddenly he realizes that on the seventh day when he was purifying himself, when he was in Nazar Tameh still, there was a Tumat Satohom when he walked over um, a place of a grave that, that, that was now discovered, which at the time they had not realized. So they're finding out about a Tumat Satohom. So you're going to say, great, that's the halacha, Tumat Satohom. If you find out after the fact, it doesn't mess you up. Oh, wait a second. Let's try to hold off one thing. We learned yesterday a very important rule. The halach of Tumas at the home, that it doesn't mess you up, is only when the person was Bechez Kastar. That was another caveat. A person was Tahar at the time when they encountered the Tumas at the home, and they're finding out about it now after the fact. Now the Gemara is talking about someone who was Tame really at the time, right? He was Tame at the time when he had the Tumas at home, and the Tumas at home would set him back, right? You're on the third and, and, and seventh day of the purification, and if you in fact became Tame from Tumas at home, it should set him back. But we're saying, no, it's not a problem. Why not? Because it was on the seventh day of his purification. So it says, if he was already the Chezkas Tahar, and the whole idea of Tomas that it doesn't mess you up after the fact, it's only when the person was Bechaz but we're saying it could be considered like he was Bechaz Kastar. Why? It was already on the seventh day. So the Gemara has to clarify what's going on here. My time, is not powerful enough to make you forfeit in such a case. The idea is, at this point, what are you really waiting for? You're really, you're, you're really good to go. You're, you're, you're in a way of presumed tahara. And that, that's the idea where, where you're already considered presumed tahara once it's the seventh day of the purification process. Despite the fact that it hasn't yet set in, 
is in a state of presumed tahara, and therefore the Tumas of that you're finding out now only after the fact when you already brought everything and observed the new uh, term of Naziris does not mess you up. So the Gemara tries to understand this. What, what does this mean? When exactly on the seventh day did he encounter this? What does a person do on the seventh day? He goes to the mikvah. So when, it, when, when what was Rabbi Muna talking about? Before the mikvah, after the mikvah, what happened there? So the Gemara explains like this. Malsif, Rabbi, we have a question from our Mishnah. Our Mishnah yesterday said, If a person goes down to purify himself in the Tumah of the dead, so at that's the time he was Tumah Mez and he went down to purify himself. And that's when he encountered the Tumah Satom that he's finding about afterwards. And we don't apply the cool of Tumah Satom. He is messed up. Someone who's Becheskas Tameh is considered still Tameh. Someone who's Becheskas Tar is considered Tar. So, Yesterday we saw someone who was Bechaz Kastamo, you encounter Tumas at home and he's finding out afterwards. It does forfeit. It does mess him up. So in our case, the Gemara is just trying to clarify what Ramuna was saying. Even if it's the seventh day of his Tahara process. If let's say he was on the way when he went to be Teuvel, so he's Bechaz Kastamo. So he's Bechaz Kastamo. So now when he encountered the Tumas at home that he's finding out afterwards, after all the Kabbalists and everything are brought, it should be disqualified. It shouldn't mess him up. And basically, the point that we learned yesterday from the Mishnah conflicts Rafuna. What we learned yesterday from the Mishnah is that the unique Allah of Tumas Atom not messing up what you've already done is only true if you encountered it when you're Becheskas Tahara. Ravamuna today is telling us about a Nazir on the seventh day of his, of his Tahara process for his Tumma when he encountered the Tumas Atom that he's finding about at now a month and a half later or something after your Abarish Garbanus to conclude. Ravamuna is saying it didn't mess him up. Why not? He wasn't Becheskas Tahara. It was only the seventh day. He hadn't yet even immersed. So the Gemara says, I'm I agree with you in the case of a Nazir who is missing the, the head shaving for his Tumah when he found the Tumah, the, uh, the, the Tumah home. So in other words, we're saying like this. If he encounters the Tumah home before the shaving, then he's still Bechazka's Tumah. And that's what the Mishnah was talking about. And we would agree that in such a case, he's Bechazka's Tumah and it caused him to forfeit. But when we say, when Ramuna was talking about a case that it's the seventh day, we're talking about when he was already Bechazka's Tahara, meaning he went to the mikvah already on the seventh day and he'd already shaved his head, which is part of the process that the Nazir Tameh does. Even though it's still the seventh day, the Tumah the Tom can be ignored. So what we're saying is, let's crystallize the case. Let's get, let's, let's get very clear what we're talking about. We're not just Sistam saying it is the seventh day. It's on the seventh day after all the things that he needs to do have been performed. So he's gone to the mikvah, and in addition, he's done the shaving, which the Nazar does on the seventh day. So his process, everything he needs to do is in play. He just has to fill out, you know, conclude the day. And that's the whole thing. He goes back now to count the, the, the Nazir's Tahara. So even though it's still technically the seventh day, the Bechezkas that he is Tahara is already set in. So when did the Mishnah say yesterday then someone who's Bechezkas Tami can't have Tumas Atom? That's all the scenario before. Like we're saying a guy went down to go to the mikvah and he encountered a Tumas Atom. So he's Bechezkas Tuma when the Shaila, when the, when the Tumas Atom was encountered that he's finding about now much later. There, the Tumas Atom will mess him up. Rav Muno was talking about the Nazir Tame who encountered on the seventh day after he emerged in the mikvah, after he shaved his head, after he'd done all he needs to do to achieve the process of Tahara. Even though it's not fully set in because it's still the seventh day, the Bechezkas is still that he is Tahara. So now the Gemara, so now Rava says back, so again, Rava was the one who was questioning Rav Muna. Now that the case is clarified, so now Rava starts understanding. I agree with you as well. Someone who did the Pesach and he finds out after he, he immersed on the seventh day for his purity that he had Tumas Atom, meaning Mamash the same case by Pesach. A guy was Tameh and he was going through the Tahara of seven days in order to go ahead and bring his Pesach. And then on the seventh day, 
Um, after he went to the mikvah, he's finding out now, way after the fact that he brought a Karm Pesach, he's finding out that he encountered a Tumas at home, he doesn't get messed up. Why? Because he wasn't missing anything. That's the point. Even though the Tumas was encountered on day seven, I mean, he's still technically Tame, but since he didn't need to do anything further to bring about his Tahara, he just needs the day to end, so he's Bechezgas Tahar, and he's Bechezgas Tahar, Therefore, the Tumas Atom that he encounters will not mess off his Pesach after the fact. Again, I can't emphasize this enough based upon what we learned yesterday. He's only finding out about the Tumas Atom after he went ahead and brought the carbon and everything followed through. But the point is, with the Tumas Atom that you are finding about now, did you encounter it when you were Bechaz Kastam or Bechaz Kastar? Today, what we're learning about from Rebbe Huna is that you could be considered Bechaz Kastar even if it's still the seventh day of your purification process, as long as you've done what you needed to do to achieve the Tahara. Abai just doesn't buy it. Abai says, I don't understand. Lamaisa, it's the seventh day. Until the sun sets, Zayafan, you went to the mikvah. Zayafan, you shaved. Zayafan, you had the sprinkling of the ashes of the paradumari. At the end of the day, you need the. Ad- <laughs> That's a, play, a, a, a bad pun over here. At the end of the day. After all is said and done, you have to wait for the day to end. Harav Shemesh. You need Harav Shemesh until Harav Shemesh. You are still Tomek. So you should have a cheskas of Tomek should still be here. The sun sets on its own. So that's the lumbus here. Everyone agrees that the full effect of Tahara only sets in after the seventh day finishes. If you'd ask us objectively, is the guy fully pure now? No, we cannot say he's fully pure. On the other hand, he's done all he needs to do. Everything else is just going to happen on its own. Time passes because time passes. So the question is now, what's the presumed state of the person? What's his Bechezgas? When he encountered this Tumas Atom on the seventh day, after he did all he needs to do, but before the sun sets, is he Bechezgas Tame or Bechezgas Tar? That Afkamina is when he finds out about some Tumas at home, which we encountered in that state, is, is it subject to the unique halacha that Tomas at home does not mess up what he's done? So Abai is saying, Lamais, he's missing the sunset. So he's Bechazkas Toma. Rav and Ramuna are saying, no, it happens on its own. So he's Bechazkas Tar. Now the Gemara says, Abai Even Abai retracted his original problem. Abai came around to the lumdas, the things that happened by themselves. Um, are cons- the person is still considered Bechaz Kastar. The tiny it says in a bride's. So to understand this bride's, here we're talking about a woman who brings carbonos in her childbirth. So you have to know the big, the big halach. How does this all work? So she's got 14 days just for an enkeva, right? She's got 14 days where she's Tameya, the Oledes. Then she's got 66 days of Tahara. Generally, a woman goes to the mikvah after 14 days and then it's a long Tful Yom extension until day 80, but it doesn't always have to happen like that. A woman could, could, could delay going to the mikvah and then go to the mikvah after day 80 and then wait for Abshamish and bring it. Al-Kopanim, after these 80 days, she brings karbanos. That's the, the basic idea. Now, a person can theoretically have be a multiple yoledesim in the same time frame before it comes time to bring the carbon for the first thing. How? Because of a miscarriage. Let's say a woman gives birth. So she's high to bring a carbon then in 80 days, right? She's got a 14 days of tumah, 66 days of tahara. But before those 80 days are complete, she already had another miscarriage. That could, that could, that could theoretically happen. So the halacha is what we're learning about is that she doesn't end up needing to bring different carbonos. If, if, if there's an overlap, if during the time before she was obligated to bring the carbon for her first birth. She has another birth that's obligating her, and a miscarriage is like a birth, it's like a lettuce, that gives her an obligation to bring another set of carbonos. So then eventually she just will, whenever the time comes, she'll bring one carbon, which will count for both. So it says in a price, uh, Yom Malos, let's say she miscarried on the Yom Malos on the day 81. 
So basically she has 80 days and then the Yom Melos, very important to understand that Yom Melos, the day of completion. The Yom Melos means the day 81, the day that she's chayv to bring. So she miscarries on the day of completion. Tavi, she has to need another carbon. Why? Because it's not within the time frame. She already had the, the day come. The sun rose and she was already obligated. Go bring a carbon for the first thing. So when the miscarriage occurs, at, even if she didn't bring the carbon yet practically, but it occurred on day 81 after the chiv set in, then she's going to need a separate carbon. However, Toch Melos, if she miscarries before the completion day, if she miscarried, let's say, on day 80, 79, 78 before, then Lo Tavi, she does not have to bring an additional carbon. Both her chiyuvim can be satisfied with one carbon. And again, this idea that the both um, you'll let, both does can be fulfilled with one carbon since it was during the time, that's actually learned from Psukim, Psachas Krisus, Psachas Nazir. But for us, we just have to know the facts. So if the second birth was after the chiyuv already set in, it was after day 81 began, then she has to need a second carbon. But if it's before day 81 set in, then one carbon can fulfill both. Now, what happens? I would say she only doesn't bring an additional carbon for, 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 for a later that happens before day 81 occurred. I would say she has to bring a carbon for another birth that happens after day 81, even though it wasn't yet the time to bring for the second one. So let's just try to make sure we understand what's going on. Here we're going to have a, introduce a third miscarriage. So let's just speak it out. Imagine a woman has a birth. So she's chive to bring a carbon on day 81. But then what happens? She has another miscarriage on, let's say, day 70. So now we know very clearly what's the halacha, that after the 80 days from the, from the, from the, from the second leda, from the first miscarriage that happens on day 70 or whatever, she's going to bring one carbon that will satisfy both. What about now if before those second set of 80 days occur, yet another miscarriage occurs? So the second miscarriage, i.e. the third Leda, is not within the 80 days of the first Leda, but it's in the 80 days of the second Leda. What's the halacha there? Only in the completion of the days of Tavi. And miscarriage that happens on the day of completion, she has to bring a separate karma. We look at the extra pasuk that says, no, even in that case, she does not have to bring an additional carbon. And the reason is, Lamaisa, she was never came to the day that she's supposed to bring the carbon. Because once this, the, the, the second leda occurred, and now that overlap happens between the second leda and first leda, and we're waiting for this amount of the second leda for the one carbon that will satisfy both chiyuvim. So it's still within the, it's, it's still within that time before the obligation to bring the carbon set in. Okay, very good. That was when the price of the price of discusses. So now, what is in the world does this all have to do with us? So the Gemara clarifies what's going on here. Amar Afghana, and then we'll get to Abai. Amar Afghana, shiny Yachad and carbon. It's different over here because a person is waiting to bring a carbon. So meaning the woman did not bring a carbon. Um, she, she, she hadn't yet brought the carbon for the first miscarriage because of the second miscarriage. So, so the second miscarriage is happening before she had the ability to bring any carbonos. And since both miscarriages are happening now at a time before she's eligible to bring the carbonos, so they happen before the completion day of the, of the birth. And therefore, we cannot say that it happened after the completion day because Lamaisa, there was never yet a chi of carbon. And that's the point that we're saying. The lumdus is there was never a chi of carbon. Okay, if the scenario, the ratio brought that there was a chi of carbon which set in, then, you're, then when another miscarriage comes, then you have to bring a separate one. But as long as the chi of carbon did not actually practically set in, you never have to do it. And that's Rav Kahana, the way to read the Gemara, the Rosh explains, he's like explaining it. He's explaining what we're saying. So that's why we always speak about day 81. Day 81 is the key. Now, Normally, day 81 is the key just to clarify because that's the practical moment when she's asked to bring a carbon. 
And that's usually the idea, the practical moment. However, the Gemara now, now we're going to get to Abai, the Gemara is going to introduce the idea of where, how this is going to connect. It's a hard line in the Gemara, though. Let's see it. There are two, I can get a case where she's missing the sunset. What is the Gemara talking about? Gemara wants to know like this. Imagine, this is what the rush speaks out. Imagine a case where a woman, by the way, she could go to the mikvah already a day early after day 14 and then have the mikvah out of the way. She'll just be a full yom until through day 80 and then day 81, boom, she brings a carbon. But imagine she was lazy. She didn't get go to the mikvah. The first, and the first time she went to the mikvah, let's say, was day 81. It was day 81. She didn't get around to bringing the mikvah to day 81. Could she bring a carbon on day 81 as well? No. Because avada, you have to be totally pure. So you're going to have to wait for the hour of Shemesh after day 81 and then bring the carbon on day 82. That would be the halacha. That's pasha. Now, what would happen if she miscarries on day 81 in such a case? Normally we say it's tali in the carbon. Tali in the zman aroi le carbon. What, is, what would it be considered in that matzah? Would you say it's a zman aroi le carbon or not? She immersed. She's done her thing. She went on day 81, but she's not fully tar. She still has to go ahead. She's, I'm sorry, she doesn't have to go ahead and do anything, but we still have to wait for the day to end, for the Har of Shemesh to kick in, in order for us to see that this man of the carbon is good. So what would happen in that case? Practically, she has to wait till day 82 because we require the Har of Shemesh, if she only went to the mikvah on day 81. But Lamaisa, she's waiting for the Har of Shemesh. What do we do in Har of Shemesh? And that exact question, it kind of relates to our question. Our question is, is a person that we were talking about, when you've done all you need to do and you're waiting for the Har of Shemesh. So do we hear what we want to know. When a person's done all they needed to do, she didn't go to the mikvah for whatever reason until 81. She goes to the mikvah until 81, she's waiting for the Har of Shemesh. Is it Be'etzem, she's Be'chezkas, okay, it's time to bring the carbon, just punk, I have to wait for the day to end and I'll bring then. Or no, until the day ends, the, the Tumah is still here. If the Tumah is still here, it's not this man of the carbon yet. Which one is it? And Afkimina if, so she miscarries on day 81 while the Har of Shemesh sets in. So, 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 so the, what we want to bring is a ride from the price. So the price is said in the ratio pretty absolutely. It said if she miscarries on day 81 and you need a sevka carbon. Clearly, we view day 81 as the time for that, uh, a new carbon is shaykh. Even if she only went to the mikvah on day 81. We're saying at this point already, it's the chezkas that she's ready to bring the carbon and a new thing would be required. If she miscarried before day 81, it's before this manorai the carbon. Therefore, they both can be satisfied in one carbon. But if the miscarriage happens from day 81 and on, she's going to need a second carbon. And we're adding, even if she went to the mikvah first on day 81 and still has to wait practically for the day to end before she can bring a carbon. It doesn't matter. She miscarried on day 81. It's in the Zman Aroi the carbon. So how could that be? She's missing the Har of Shemesh. Abai himself said, Shim The Lumdus is, no, the sun sets on its own. Once she went to the mikvah on day 81, the Zman Aroi the carbon is here. Happens to be, you have to wait for the sun to end. But all that she needs in order to become, to become good, to bring her carbon, is already in place. It's already here. We're just waiting for a little time. We're waiting for the sun to set. Harav Shemesh doesn't change anything. It's Bechezkas Tahara. So Joss is over there. She's Bechezkas Tahara. And therefore, the miscarriage that happens on day 81 will obligate her in a separate carbon. Abai himself buys into that lumdos. So, so too over here. In the cases that we're talking about, where Nazir or Oisa Pesach, who are becoming who became Tommy, and on day seven of their purification process, after they went for the mikvah and did all they needed to do, then they encountered a Tumas at the home that they're finding about now after they brought the Karm Pesach and after they finished their Naziris. They're finding about it. We could say that they, they encountered the Tumas at the home when they were Bechaz Kastar, not when they were Bechaz Kastar. And now we're back to the big rule that whenever you encounter a Tumas at the home, when a person is Bechaz Kastar, they are able to remain Tar. It doesn't mess up what they have done.